tonight on Whiskey Waffle. We quickly whipped out our emergency birthday cake. This is the anti-Ben Nevis, isn't it? <laughs> that was a good one. That's this episode on Whiskey Waffle, the podcast. I mean, cast. Good evening, fellow wafflers, or, or good morning if you're listening to this on your commute to work. Good afternoon if you're on your way home from work and about to pour yourself a stoter. As long as you're not doing that in the car while you're driving. <laughs> you can pour it, you just can't start drinking it till yeah. you get home. Um, welcome along to the Whiskey Waffle Podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Ted. And uh, yeah, welcome along to a very special 39th episode. How have we, how have we managed to, to survive this long? I suppose it's because we don't really care that... It's only our mums listening. Yeah, um, yeah, just just put it out anyway. That's my motto. Put it out anyway. Mm. Now, um, we have some news. So Ooh, news. Just want to give a bit of a shout out. So many of you would, uh, who have listened along for the last 40 episodes would uh, know of our very good imaginary friend, Cleon. Mm. Now, Cleon and his very real partner, Nat, have had a fairly big few months, it must be said. A few months ago, they actually managed to finally dodge lockdowns and get married. Ah, oh, yes. And then just the other day, excellent news, they have welcomed their first child to the world. So Mini Cleon. Mini Cleon. And she is super cute. <laughs> um, yeah, Cle- so... Cleon gave us a very good uh, yeah. a whiskey description of her I, skin I was, tone. I was going to um, <coughs> grab that one up, actually. Yeah. It was it was pretty excellent. It's very Cleon. <laughs> if refill bourbon is the lightest skin colour... And first fill Oloroso or PX is darker skin colour. I'd say she's a marriage of first fill bourbon and refill sherry. <laughs> so anyway, welcome to the world, Violet. Yeah, very exciting for you. So and congratulations to Cleon and Nat for and good luck. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, hope he still finds time to listen to the Whiskey Waffle podcast going forwards with a screaming newborn. Perhaps at uh, two o'clock in the morning, this will be listened to. Who knows? Mm. Um, I'm also going to throw out a, a shout-out for um, something that will be contributing to the podcast. So it's kind of a double shout-out. But first of all, to Adrian Graham, one of our best supporters, um, and a sort of a further shout-on to Vic Whiskey as well, um, because he has provided us with uh, a handful of samples and one particularly exciting sample. But I think we might get onto that in a future episode. Yeah, I think we'll leave that one for the moment. It's it's pretty bloody amazing. Just Just let me say that I am particularly stoked so we'll leave you with that little teaser but we've um ted and i've been on holiday somewhat yes. bit of a uh, it could have gone for longer whiskey mini break but it was good yeah so much much to our um wives disgust we went on a romantic holiday just the two of us um that is myself and nicholas indeed not them. <laughs> And um, it was very romantic. Yep. Yeah. Well, actually, actually, it was it was pretty funny. Where the place that we stayed, um, the first place that we stayed on our trip, um, we walked in and was like, "Oh my goodness, this is way nicer than we were expecting." <laughs> um, let's make a pact right now. We're not going to send any pictures to our wives because they'll be darker <laughs> on us than they already are. Yes, yes, and we um, we kept to that one. So, yeah. um, But it wasn't just a romantic getaway, just a sort of um, bondage activity between the two of us. I think you mean bonding. That's what I meant, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, it was, um, it was actually a whiskey trip with some whiskey visits in mind, and that's what we're going to be talking about on The Waffle today. We're going to be detailing um, the places that we went and the things we learnt when we were there. The Waffle. Ted, did you have a happy holiday? I did. Mm. I did. I got to spend it with you, which was very nice. Mm. Also got to see some people I like. 
um, which was also very nice. And most importantly, no, well, no, actually, most importantly is I got to spend it with people I like. Second most importantly, there was plenty of whiskey. <laughs> well, I'm going to play a little game with our listeners at home because I'm going to list some of the small Tasmanian towns that we have spent time in and I want to see if any of our listeners at home can guess which distilleries we visited. Um, I know you can because you were there with me. So here we come. We first visited Pontville or, or, or Mangalore, perhaps. Yeah, I think Mangalore is um, closer. Yeah, we stayed in Pontville. Um, then we visited Ooze. That is a real place. If, yep. you've, if you've not been to Tasmania, Ooze is a real place. Yep. Uh, and then we went to a distillery in Dromedary. Yep, another real place. Yeah, I promise. There was a, there was two big hills that we had to go over to get there. No, no, it's a dromedary's only got one hill. Oh, it's only one hill. Oh, okay, yeah. there you go. Yep. No, if 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 we're going to the place with two hills, that would be Bactrian. Gotcha. Okay. Then we went to Lower Marshes. Yeah, we had no idea. Or either. Technically, Apsley. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we went to Lulworth. Was it Tamashanta? Well, romantically, Tamashanta. Postcode Lulworth. Mm. Mm, mm. But no, we we also. Finished up well. I mean, the la- the last one, the the uh, hints really in the um in the name of the place. Yes, um, yes. We did we did go to Hillwood as well. Yes, <laughs> that one's not so hard to guess. Yeah. Um. So shall we enlighten our listeners as to what distilleries are located in these tiny towns? Let's do it. Um. The very first place we went to visit is Sheen Estate. See, the last time we we'd been down to Sheen, we were in a Tesla. <laughs> yeah, true. And um, it was such a whirlwind little uh, drink Tasmania tour that we didn't really get to dedicate enough of our waffle time to the place itself. Yeah, we were made to perform under pressure by a, um, a keen-eyed tasting panel, um, <laughs> and so we were too busy sort of having to slave away over a, um, a hot beaker um, to really enjoy ourselves. So we promised David that we'd come back and have a proper chat. So we did, but before we go on with this, Ted, I think we should um, just have a quick break in the recording to pour some Sheen whiskey into our glasses. That was a good one. So for our listeners' sake, the two drams that we've poured have got different names on there. Mm, It's a bit of a weird one, actually. Mm. Um, And it all goes back to sort of the, I suppose, the origins of Sheen as a distillery. The origins of Sheen as an estate Mm. go much further back. Yeah, yeah. Um, But you'll hear about those when we have a little chat with David. Yeah. Um, So we've got one little glass that says Mackie on the front. Well... Technically, the well, bottle does. Yeah, my glass actually says Ferno on the front. What one says Fanny's Bay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so one's, one bottle says Mackie and the other bottle says Sheen. Um, but underneath Sheen, just so those people know what we're drinking, it says Elixir of Life. Mm. Tempting Mine name. does just say Mackie. Um, nicknamed R3, I do believe. Yeah, I do think this is the R3 release. Yeah, so we visited Sheen Estate, which is just off the um, the highway, um, the south of the Midlands Highway, and it's a lovely old building. It's it's worth visiting just you know to check out this wonderful old bit of architecture. Yeah, you go through Baghdad, <laughs> another place in Tasmania, we promise. promise. Go through Baghdad, you get to Mangalore, but before you get to the roundabout where you go around the Brighton Bypass, it's just before there. Past the gun club. Past the gun club. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Mackie, Mackie, well, Sheen, Sheen we know is the name of an estate. Mackie, on the other hand, is the name of a person, mm. and a person who was very important to the origins of this brand. Yeah, well, Damien Mackie is the name of the man who the Mackie is named after, and, and he is a distiller, and he brought his distilling to David Kernicke, um, who was the owner or co-owner with his wife Anne of the estate. Mm, um, still is. Yeah, and he still is. But they were 
the team that were doing the whiskey together for a little while, but yeah, they've now gone their own ways. And Sheen is continuing on. Yes, and so did the Mackie name for a bit as well. So they'd they'd already sort of made quite a bit of whiskey under the Mackie name. More recently, they've sort of decided to save confusion with consumers because you've currently got these two sort of brandings from the distillery. One's Mackie, one's Sheen. And people are going, well, what the hell is that? And what the hell is that? Like, what's what's actually this whiskey? Um, and so they've decided that they're going to wrap up the Mackie name. After, after all the bottles that are currently under Mackie have been sold, that will be it. And they'll continue on with those uh, with the Sheen name from mm, there Ted, on. You Ted, you just opened yours. Mm, I, did. Yeah. I, I did. It was one of only 1,200 bottles. Yes, I may have <laughs> inadvisedly uh, opened the uh, this sort of... Collector's now, item, yeah. Now quite rareish, getting rareish. Um, uh, Mackie Triple Distilled Tasmanian Single Malt Whiskey. Mm. Um, but I thought, why the hell not? Whiskey's yeah. for drinking. Absolutely. Um, it's 49%. It is triple distilled. That was that was always the Mackie thing. And yeah, a Pericask. Tell me, tell me some more about the other one that we're drinking. Yeah, so their aim is to make a few different types of bottle in their core range under a few different names. And this one is called the Elixir of Life, but it is really focusing on blending um, different fortified wine barrels. So a lot of sherry or a pera and also some, some port or tawny mm. um, all married together to create, yeah, a really sweet, gooey, delicious drinking whiskey. I think that is a thing about Sheen. Mackie, they do make gooey whiskies. Mm. So anyway, we had a we had a good afternoon at Sheen. Mm. After that, we staggered back and had a uh, cracking meal at the Pontville Pub. And then we um then we learnt all about the history of the Pontville Pub, probably quite loudly and quite loudly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slightly obnoxiously, but yeah, that's right. Spot the tourist. Yes. Anyway, the next day we woke woke up uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed. Indeed. And we went for a drive. We went, drove from Pontville up through some the middle of some nowhere-ish bits of the Southern Highlands, mm. um, through to Hamilton, and then on to just before Ooze. Yeah, this distillery was in another big old estate building, but this one is called Loreni. Loreni, yes. It's a beautiful estate, and yeah. it's like right on the banks of the Derwent. And really, really well-maintained gardens as well. Yeah, actually, if, if you're, like, if one of you's into whiskey... And the other one's into historic estates with beautiful gardens. Perfect. It works. It's still very early days for the distillery. Um, they do they have released some gins, um, but the whiskies are only sort of small releases at this stage. But we did get to try some. But we learnt a lot about Lorenny while we were up there. What did we learn, Ted? Well, we learnt that their head distiller is called Joe Dinsmore. Yeah. He's actually of Californian extraction, but he's been out in Tassie for a bit. Um, a fair bit, I'd say. Yeah, fair, fair bit, actually. But he's still got a little bit of a accent there. <laughs> you can never quite um, shake it. Yeah, well, it was interesting, though. So Joe first got into the uh, industry getting a casual job with Lark at age 16, and then he got apprenticed at 18 and spent a few years there. And then he went up to Archie Rose for a few years. So that's mm. that put some interesting fandangled uh, mainland ideas into his head. Yeah. And then he's, I think he's been at um, Loreni for about four years now I think yeah and he's really sort of designed the program because a bit like Archie Rose he is experimenting a little bit with um with malts you know also different sort of malting styles some of it is going to be done with uh Vienna malt and mm. some of it with regular Pilsner and also a lot of it's been grown on the property yeah and that's that is a very good point with them they are an estate um producer so they're growing growing stuff on site 
these guys aren't actually molting on site. They are still sending it to... Uh, uh, a place up in New South Wales. place up in New South Wales. Voyager. Yeah, yeah. So that that was interesting. Another another really interesting thing that Joe was talking to us about was yeast. Yeah, for these two different... So the, the, the malt that he's getting from Joe White and the malt that they're growing and getting done up at Voyager, they're using different yeasts and not just one yeast either. They're making two different styles of whiskey um, at Loreni. So there's what they're calling their Taz whiskey, Tasmanian whiskey, and then there's also their estate whiskey. Now, the Taz whiskey uses um, a Saison yeast, an American malt, and a distiller's yeast. The estate one uses a Trappist Abbey yeast, a barley wine yeast, and a wheat beer yeast. So mm. really interesting. I've said yeast a lot as well. Yeah. It's weird after a bit. <laughs> Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see how that develops. So it's a couple of years away yet, but you'll get to hear from Joe himself because we did an interview with him as well mm. for the podcast, which will be coming out in future episodes. Joe did tell us that they're trying to make a style sort of medium light, and he reckoned a bit of a, a cross between Glenmorangie and Glendronic. Mm. So yeah, somewhere in that sort of sort of range. We did we did um try some of their new make, and it was. It was really nice, actually. It was really sort of very clean and sweet. It was, yeah, yeah, it was good. So, so it'd be one to watch. Mm. So we went down the river because we were going to see our old mate Robbie, Robbie Gilligan. Robbie, Robbie has founded a new distillery of his own. He's worked at Armlark. He's worked at Redlands. He's worked at Old Kempton. He's finally started his own on the banks of the Derwent River, and he's called it Derwent Distillery. Yes, he and his uh, lovely wife Emma. Um, Make a cracking team together, and yeah, they've started up their new distillery. We've we were lucky enough to um, actually watch some of it being constructed while we're there. Um, Robbie's father-in-law, I believe, was putting in some bunding around the uh, stills. Yeah, it's not quite as exciting seeing the stills being built, but we saw them installing some bunding. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, and yeah. we we got an interview with Robbie as well, so stay tuned for that one, listeners. Yeah. Also, while we're there, somebody flew in. Oh, shouting yes. about bourbon, <laughs> and so we had to have a big fight on the banks of the uh, banks of the river. Yes, that's right, folks. Terence, the robot of ultimate destruction, <laughs> came down from his citadel in New Norfolk, <laughs> and we had a fight. But then we all made friends, and yeah. we had some uh, Derwent Distillery whiskey, which yeah. was really good. Whiskey was the winner there. Um, and then, yeah, we returned to our base in Pontville for another night at the Pontville Pub, where I took great pleasure from winding up the locals. Yeah. Um, Loved a bit of banter. While we were winding up the locals, we actually got a message from someone. It was it was completely out of the blue, but it was really cool. So we got a message from Corey. Well, who the hell is Corey? That's what we thought. Anyway, Corey, Corey and his business partner, Steve, own Lower Marsh Distillery, which we were like, vaguely heard of? Yeah. I Didn't really know where it was. Once. Anyway, you sort of, you, you go up to Melton Mowbray. Head towards Bothwell, take a turn off at Apsley, and then go up through this yeah sort of interesting bit of farmland, and you rock up at this little distillery. Um, mm. It's cool. Yeah, and we got there just as some of his whiskey had turned two, being legally whiskey. We quickly whipped out our emergency birthday cake. <laughs> yep. No, it was it was pretty exciting because um he is going to be um celebrating a release um in the coming months. Um, very very soon actually. So mm, maybe Novemberish, I think. The thing, I, one of the things I most remember is that the still 
was quite tall. And then it just had this ridiculously long and very horizontal line arm. Yeah. Be inter- yeah. Well, we got to actually try what it's doing to the spirit. It was it was good. The other the other cool yeah. facts just banana we- banana dumplings. Bananas. First thing I said, bananas. The other interesting fact before we move on from Lower Marsh is that they are a proper estate. Well, are they estate? Yeah, they're. A, let's call them an estate. Yeah. He's he's a farmer. Grows his own uh, barley. Malts it himself. That's mm, an important which, fact. Yeah, not many people do that themselves. Yeah. So he does the malting himself. Does the malting himself. Does the does the distilling. Barrels it. Mm-hmm. Ages it. Releases it all on property. So yeah. Can't say that there's really too many proper paddock to bottle distilleries around but no. yeah that's really cool yeah no absolutely and that's that's all being done himself or with his business partner steve so and then we headed north because a whiskey trip for whiskey waffle would not be complete without a visit to the wonderful folk at fanny's bay distillery we went and spent some time with matt and julie cooper yeah such lovely people so one of the things we got to do at Fanny's Bay Distillery is we've been following a particular couple of barrels through. Mm. Three years ago, in October, we got together with Matt um, and spent some time in his distillery and observed. We were the work experience kids, really. We observed him doing a wash run as well as a spirit run. And we filled, between myself, my colleague here, and one of our good friends, Harry, we filled three barrels, three little 20-litre barrels. Yep. We, we go back sort of every year, um, go for our... A yearly dose of Fanny's Bay goodness, um, but we've been keeping an eye on those barrels, and those barrels, mm. well, they're 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 very close. Yeah, they're, they they're, are. They're out of they're out of barrels now. They're in stainless steel, and they're airing out. Mm. And they're going to be released very soon. Yeah, we we actually got to have a bit of input into what we thought should happen to them. Mm. We uh we got to do a bit of a tasting panel and um, decide whether they were better at sort of. Uh, car strength or if they should be cut down a bit. So if you ever see a bottle with the barrel number 104, 105 or 106, then that is one of the ones that Ted or myself were there as we were filling it and distilling it, in fact. Mm, they were pretty bloody good too. Yeah, I know. They were great. And they were all so different though. They're all sherry barrels or ex-sherry barrels mm. um, or ex And they were completely different to each completely other. Completely different. Yours and Harry's were really dark in colour, whereas mine was quite a bit lighter and yeah the the characters of them all were yeah just really different it's weird the single cask for you we had a we had a pretty cracking night that night um so the next day we sort of tenderly drove off um up the road and dropped into hillwood distillery on our way home now ollie was kicking about there there that day top bloke ollie heron um and yeah we got to try some of their releases yeah there's some pretty exciting stuff coming out of there let me just say, Merlot Pete. <laughs> how, how many peated Merlot expressions have you had before, Ted? One. One, yeah. One, and that was that day. How about you, listeners? Have you ever thought that Merlot cask peated whiskey would be a thing that you can just uh, mm. just check out? So, yeah, we got to try that one, and it was it was incredible. It was really good. It was different, but yeah. I, I appreciate it. Because, because we'd had a pretty big night before... The night before, and I was I was reasonably good, but because I was driving, mm. someone got to have <laughs> lots of the whiskey. And yeah, else, true. Yeah. And someone that someone didn't really need any at that stage after the previous big night, but it'd be rude to say no. Yeah, exactly. Mm. No, it was great. Um, some of the stuff coming out of Hillwood is incredible, and I, I can't recommend highly enough. They probably do probably consistently the best Chardonnay cask 
out of anyone. Their Cardi cask is phenomenal. We've, yeah. We've had that a few times and it's yep. really, really good. Yeah, so definitely keep an eye out for those guys. They they do very small batches, so they do sell out pretty quick. So, But it's one that I could recommend highly. Check it out. Yeah, and that was our holiday. Hmm? Wasn't long enough. No, it does disappear. Yeah, but it was it was good times. And we learnt heaps about, yeah, what's going on in the industry, some of the new up-and-coming stuff. And, um, yeah, that's what we do. We try and find out about these new guys so we can spread the word and tell the world. Um, go and check out Lower Marsh. Go and get some Lorraine when it finally comes comes mm. of age. And tell you what, Sheen are doing some of the best fortified wine matured whiskey um, anywhere at the moment. So definitely check those guys out. Yeah, we did manage to record um, interviews with at Sheen, at Lorraine, at Derwent, Lower Marsh, um, Hillwood. Hillwood. Yeah, so they'll be coming up on future episodes. So yeah, get keen. Checking out that your little fanny's bottle. Yeah, I'm checking out my little fanny. The whiskey. All right, Nicholas, it's time for a review. And this review, I want to talk about the Yamazaki 18. Say what now? The Yamazaki 18. You heard me right. We are reviewing the Yamazaki 18. Well, no. I want to oh. talk about why the Yamazaki 18 is so bloody expensive. Oh, okay, so, right. <laughs> right, so Yamazaki 18. All of our drinking buddies on Patreon just got really <laughs> excited there. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I know people have gone, you what? <laughs> um, no. So Yamazaki 18, um, like one of the world's sort of biggest whiskies at the moment. Mm. Japanese whiskey has been going off its tits and Yamazaki 18 is no exception. To buy a bottle, yep. Uncle Dan's, just using that as a bit of a yardstick for us, Uncle yep. Dan's has it for about $1,600 Australian. $1,600, $1,600. $1,600. Yeah, that's that's an expensive bottle. That is an expensive bottle. Mm. I don't have that kicking about to splash on whiskey. Well, some people might. Yeah, I certainly some, don't. Yeah. yeah. So, 1600 bucks. Mm. Why the hell, if you're after an 18-year-old whiskey... Would you not buy what we are actually drinking today? Oh, he's, is, he's finally getting to the point where he announces what the review whiskey is. Excellent. Which is the Glen Murray 18. Ah, Glen Murray. It's a, Glen Murray feels like an old reliable friend, doesn't it? Mm, so but this is the 18-year-old Glen Murray, so doesn't cost 1600 then? Does not cost 1600 Excellent. Glen Murray 18, in comparison to Uncle Dan's, 1600 for the Yamazaki 18. Yep. 125 125 for an 18 year old 125 for a bottle of Glen Murray 18 that yep, feels regular price very reasonable yeah. I I buy sort of 500 ml bottles of very much not uh, 18 year old Tasmanian whiskey for <laughs> significantly more than that so true true exactly yeah and so that's what we've got in the glass today we've got a reasonably priced 18 year old but this is what you can say about Glen Murray in general though reasonably priced mm. and we're not saying that in any way as a bad thing some people you know and certainly um we've been accused of being whiskey stumps before which is absolutely not us just because something's more expensive doesn't make it better and so you know if we line this up against the Yamazaki 18, who's to say which I would prefer? But I can guarantee that one wouldn't be, um, you know, nearly $1,400 more expensive. We're in luck, buddy, because I have a bottle of the Yamazaki... No, I don't, no, actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> Glen Murray. Um, so the 18 is ex-American Oak first fill. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a... Like, 
I suppose the the Yamazaki A team will be a much sort of darker, richer, yeah. um, spicier affair. This this one is that sort of lighter, but it's it's not too light actually. It's not like a straw color. Mm. It's actually got a, a little bit of um, sort of a rosy hue to it. What do you think? What do I think? Well. The first thing that I get is it's full-on proper space side. Mm. Um, this is what you, you think of when you, you think of especially bourbon matured, but also with a little bit of marriage of some sherry mixed in there too. Mm. But it's it's a light space side. It's elegant, it's clean, and it's very drinkable. I just had a sip then and it, it gave me plenty of flavor, mm. but also went down very easily. It is very smooth on the palate. Mm. It's very silky. Sort of, it caresses your palate. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I suppose in terms of what do we, what do we think in terms of the nose? Yeah. Well, I mean, you do get that hit of apple mm. um, initially, but it's not. I think the apple is is quite ripe or potentially just quite a, a soft, gentle apple. It's definitely no Granny Smith. It's golden delicious, even. Yeah. So I went out for tea the other night to a um, bit of a posher restaurant mm. in our town, and in between the courses, they had a um, a palate cleanser and we got a bit of it was like this apple jelly stuff sort of spiced okay. apple jelly and the nose reminds me of that it's sort of got this sort of smooth almost rubbery texture with a kind of yeah that sort of apple yeah. um essence to it yeah it's also got a sort of straw sort of summertime dried grass sort of but it's it's very gentle like nothing about this is bitter or astringent it's Everything's been combed over with a, I don't know, just smoothed down by a... It's a, it's a silk pillowcase. Like we slept on while we are in uh, on holidays <laughs> together. Yeah. <clears throat> we don't mention that. Uh, yeah, no, it's... It's delicate, isn't it? It is. It is. It's delicate, but it's not lacking in flavour. Mm. Yeah, well, speaking of, so speaking of flavours, what do we think about the uh, palate? That's mm, so smooth on the mouth. It is. Sort of, it's... A honeyed malt or, or toffeed malt. It's like, yeah, you get these little grains of barley and you, you coat them in some sugary, gentle sugary delicacy. I think it actually goes on the palate. The nose is apples, but I think on the palate it goes more into pears. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, no fair. It's a, it's a summery fruit bowl. It is, it is. There is a um, slight little burst of... Um, sort of tingliness at the back of the palate, just on the very end. Yeah, what percentage is it? Uh, so this... Is that's that is a very good question. Mm. Uh, 47.2. Is it really 47? It's 47 because I was guessing it's about 43, 44. Yeah, but it's yeah, Yeah. 47 is like a great percentage as well. Remember, this is 125 bucks for an 18 year old whiskey at 47.2 percent. Yep, like I don't, Glen Murray does not do sort of funky, sludgy, really sherry bombs, yeah. Crunchy, yeah, sulfury, New World or sort of West Coast flavors and stuff. That's not what they're about. This no. is this is pure uh, Speyside elegance. Yeah, this is um, this is just sort of golden sunshine in whiskey form. This this is a sort of a lady of a certain age who knows who knows what she's about. She's she's well dressed. She's well spoken. She's well educated. She's interesting to talk to. She's not. She's not a rebel. She just sort of gets in there, very sensible, gets the job done, and you're very appreciative of it. Mm. Like, wait, is this Angela Merkel? <laughs> sure, sure it is, Ted. Sure it is. 
Um, so how do you rate it? Good. I mean, I, we've we've drunk something before on this on the pod that we was sort of a similar age, and we thought it was a bit boring. We thought it this was up. the Glenn Rothers. That's right. It was the Glenn Rothers. It was a twenty-one-year-old. Yeah, twenty-one-year-old, and we just we just thought that it it sort of tipped over that line where it had become a little bit too sort of yeah. And that was, that was more sherried as well, but mm. I actually like this more. I think I like this more too. I think I think it's still got enough character in there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, I, it, I can't say that it's more exciting, but I think because it's got this sort of lightness to it already, it just has this just crazy amount of drinkability. Drinkability. I think that is a really key word in mm. here. Drinkability. I think... That you could session that mm-hmm. entire bottle. Oh yeah, and when the sun's shining outside as well. If the sun's shining outside, sit down on the that deck, bottle, crack that. Some bottle. friends mm. drink, drink the bottle. Well, do you even need friends? <laughs> just, just sit outside and and drink the bottle while while crying gently to yourself. I mean, yeah, we've, we've, we've all been there. Both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's what I was saying. That this this one doesn't do funk at all. It's Really highly drinkable, really nice, but also not boring. I don't, I do no. not think it's boring. No, it's just it's comforting. I, well, here's here, here's how I feel about this in in a way. So you remember that um, whiskey trip that we took, um, where we visited Bertie Kaysen mm. um, at the whiskey club headquarters. Yeah, yeah. The previous few days we'd been drinking just like shitloads of heavy. Yep. We'd been to Lark, yeah. we'd been to Spirit Thief, we'd been to Overeem. We've been fantastic places. All this sort of Tasmanian um whiskey straight out of the barrel, like bits and all, and it was like all really sort of intense and mm. like heavy and funky and And then we then we got to Birdie's place and he gave us a drink of what what did we have? I think it was Glenn Grant. Yeah. And it was just what I needed. It was light and sunny and not sort of this really intense, heavy Tasmanian stuff. And it just, I just drank it and I thought, oh, I just needed that break from, from all this other stuff to just reset myself and just have this nice, casual, carefree whiskey that made me feel good, had a good conversation. Bertie's chair squeaked the whole time. It was (laughs) good. It was good. You can listen to that interview a few episodes back. No, absolutely. You're you're not wrong. Um, basically, Ted, this is that apple palate cleanser that you spoke mm. about. It's just that instead of ordering a main course, you just have more of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it does. I, I I think you've talked me into giving it four stars. I think I've talked myself into giving it four stars, to yeah. be honest. Uh, it's just really enjoyable. Um, have you had the Glen Murray 18? The, our Patreons will be getting to try this. Yep, so that's... we'll be getting some soon. Yep, our, and, uh, um, drink, I can really drink. recommend going into that mindset as well. Just mm. you know, don't uh, don't expect the most complicated and mm. controversial dram. We do a few of them over time. We'll definitely have to bring out some more controversy in the future. But this one, it's not that. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think if you, if you go into it with with that correct mindset and just like this is just going to be something nice and clean that I'm going to drink and I'm going to enjoy, um, and then I'll go drink. Yeah something else like a Ben Nevis or something that's going to make me outraged um, but also enjoy it at the same time um, yeah. this is the anti-Ben Nevis isn't yeah. it <laughs> well we've been talking for half an hour Ted sounds like us fresh meat 
Fresh meat! It's time for a bit of fresh meat. Ted's uh, Ted's itching to get this one out of the bag. Yeah, yeah. You can just let's, tell. Let's do some fresh meat. So, Nick, Nick, I've got some fresh meat for you. Yeah, well, I'm excited to try. Fresh. He's reaching into the small pocket, so fresh. I'm assuming it's a tiny little bottle. Fresh from the butchers. <laughs> it's the finest cut. Yeah, but what is it? I, what is I, it? I need okay. to know. Okay, Nick. Yeah. Let's let's have a little chat about the roller coaster beginnings of King Lake Distillery. King Lake Distillery. King Lake Distillery. Now, Sam Sam Lowe and Chantel Daniels are the founders. So, mm. this is one that first came to my attention in uh, late 2020, when you're uh, sort of when COVID things are happening and you're bored. What else are you going to do but just cruise around looking for um, whiskey things to amuse yourself with? Of course. Uh, now, this King Lake is um, sort of uh, Goldfields area of uh, Victoria. Yep. Now, uh, I must also give a bit of a shout out to one of our Patreons, hey. Steve Seti. Steve. Um, he's, yeah, he, he gave a shout out to King Lake. Um, I saw it kicking about and I thought, huh, 95 bucks for a 500ml bottle of Australian whiskey. That sounds, that sounds goer. Yep. Interesting. First, their first uh, release coming up as well. Um, O'Grady's, right? Yeah. O'Grady's is the name of their release. Yeah, O'Grady. King Lake, King Lake is such a better name than O'Grady's. There. Well, that that was. I mean, that's the sub the sub sort of name of it. The so. King Lake O'Grady's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like um, Tasmania Distillery that end up releasing their things. No, no, no. This is just it's it's named after someone actually. So. As it turns out, and I'd forgotten about this fact until I was going back through my the emails tonight. I actually emailed um Sam, like I I made the order and I must have mentioned in there oh it's whiskey waffle and he came back and he's like oh thanks so much for for ordering I feel a bit of pressure now because like of your uh what do you what do you say uh now I feel under pressure hope it lives up to your discerning taste buds <laughs> has he like, ever listened to whiskey waffle <laughs> who knows but anyway apparently our taste buds are discerning but anyway I asked him some questions so I've I've got some uh facts. Yeah. Facts here. Facts. Are they facts that we can enjoy whilst drinking the dram, or do we have to have the facts before the dram? Um, no, I reckon we can crack into it. You're, you're looking at my dram uh, covetously. No, no, it's just because you sat it between your legs, Ted, and that's the direction I'm always I was, staring. I was warming it. I was warming it. Now, this has got a wax seal. something. Uh, oh, God, another wax seal one. <laughs> Ted has a bad history with wax seals. You can, you can fact me up while uh, I get rid of the wax seal if you want. Hey, hey, hey! Okay, you you de-wax my seal. I like it. Right, let's let's fact. This release will aim to be something we can replicate. That's important. We want to build a brand that has a firm foundation based on an identifiable taste. Well, we've yet to discover if that's the case. For that reason and others, we've chosen to concentrate on X bourbon barrels. These are makers mark in this, um, or might be. I don't know. There's a bit more to this story. There are some amazing fortifieds out there. But will we always be able to find the same find the same type? It is a good point. We also spent lots of time working out how we wanted to our new make to taste, and we didn't want this to get lost in the influence of the wood. Also, personally, we love ex bourbon. Now, this is interesting, particularly in in the sort of light of sort of things that are happening, like with Archie Rose and stuff like that. The mash bill is eighty percent Australian from Craft Monsters Voyager. We use uh, La Trobe and Schooner Malt, some of which is roasted to chocolate, and this definitely comes through in the taste. So remember that. Chocolate. Well, yeah, I had I literally had a question about it because I just had a nose. Yep. Surely this is peated. It could be. I, I'm not sure. Um, oh, yeah, well, there it is. 
I'm about to, I'm about to say it. Here we go. The remainder of the malt is heavily peated ah, from the Scottish English go. borders. Although we would love to be 100% Australian, we didn't think we could get the depth of peat, etc., etc. Uh, the short squat Nat Bluer already makes quite an oily, heavy spirit. Yes, but we've does. tried to accentuate this even further by cutting quite deep into the faints. Yeah, with the peat, I think that's a good decision. Yeah. Finally, we feel mark. that our smaller barrels are really, really are our secret weapon. It costs us 10 times as much to use these as standard 200 litre ex bourbons, but there's something really special. They're still saturated in all that lovely bourbon, but with a beautiful build quality compared to factory produced 200 litre casks, we're impressed by what these small 50 litre casks are producing. Mm. Plus, they mature much quicker. Mm. This is a very important point <laughs> you make there. Um, so, and this, this release, is it? Here, there's a bit more to this, as I said. Okay. The, re- the release will be called O'Grady's Stand after Ellen O'Grady, who owned the land here in the 1800s. She was dragged, kicking and screaming, from a Melbourne courthouse for arguing that King Lake should be used for produce and not ravaged by gold prospectors. We admired her strength and tenacity, particularly as a woman of that era. Hope that helps. Um, yeah, well, that doesn't really suggest that it's not a bourbon cask, though, does it? Okay, so... There's a bit more to this story, though. Okay. Every time I think I've got the story, then there's a bit more to that, it. That's that's kind of just the background. So this was in 2020, and I sort of sent that. Then nothing happened for a while. Right. So there were a couple of emails that came out sort of saying like, oh, yeah, just a bit of an update that, yeah, we're we're sort of getting there. We're waiting for things. So you'd already bought it by this stage. I already bought it. Like I, I sort of pre- paid for it. Pre- pre-ordered a yeah. bottle. Um, then there was some emails, and it's like, and then there was a bit of information here. Oh, and this this bit's important. A couple of things are holding it up. Firstly, the whiskey just needed a little longer in the barrels. And secondly, a process called flocking yep. is really unpredictable. When you reduce a whiskey from cast strength to bottle strength, it produces a sediment called flock that needs to settle out before bottling. Um, so, the, yeah, so that, that they were at the flocking stage. Right, so here's where the email came out that everyone sort of pricked up their ears and went, uh, what's happening here? Yeah. Um, so King Lake sent an email saying, today it was finally ready to go. All the bottles and boxes were laid out ready, post labels printed, and we've just tasted it and realised that the containers it's been settling in have tainted the whole thousand bottle batch and we can't use it. I'm sure you can imagine how distraught we are. So that was a th- like... This 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 was um early twenty twenty one yeah um, and that that kind of blew up on social media like because a lot of people had shown interest in and, like mm. everyone's sort of talking about like oh what's going on with this King Lake place like what's wrong with their like it's tainted what does that mean like mm. what what's sort of happening in those barrels that this tainted? is their, their flocking containers yeah I think so this this is their flocking containers uh, essentially that's what you get for using ex petrol casks yeah, to undo your flocking. Essentially, apparently, the whiskey was flocked. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's got to be a risk of that, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was like everyone's like, oh, oh shit. Well, that's and so basically they said, all right, again. all right, we'll we'll give you your money back. It's it's like this is this is a bit of a disaster. Really sorry, everyone. Plot twist. Yeah. Sort of not not too long after that, another email came out. Um, sort of saying like, oh, God, sorry, everyone. But the final twist is that the first batch we thought was ruined is actually not. Some of the most respected whiskey experts in Australia have tasted it and think it's not only okay, but actually even better 
than the new first release batch we replaced it with. So what happened was they said, right, well, we're not going to use that one. We'll use a different batch, which I think is what this might be. Right. So I don't think we've got the first first one. I think we've got the replacement first one. Right. Um, and they said, oh, so you can, we'll send you a bat- bottle of the first one if you want, or we can send you a car strength one. And I sort of um, forgot to do anything about it. But this little sample that we've got here turned up in the post. So I, yeah, assume it was a bit of a sort of a, sorry, thanks for thanks for waiting around. But anyway, it turns out that he said that uh, I wasn't stupid enough to ruin great whiskey at the first hurdle. Less reassuring is that my sense of taste was well and truly befuddled by something. I've since learnt how many factors can throw your taste way off and it's something I need to work on. So that's a really interesting thing that we've, like, yeah, ma- imagine sort of getting your first release ready and mm. it's, it's actually totally fine and then going, Oh man, this is this is weird tasting. I don't yeah, think well, it it does change though. Mm. Like, and especially in the bringing the strength down. Like, it's not going to be the same if you add a few drops of water to a car strength. If you bring a whole batch down, it is going to change. Then you put it in a bottle, and you get bottle shock, and it just takes ages to settle down again. Like, I reckon every time you think you know what your product is, I reckon it, then it goes and changes again. So yeah. So I suppose the uh, TLDR of that whole thing was too long didn't read right was that king lake mm. got everyone hyped up yep for their upcoming release good job then told everyone that they'd stuffed it bad job but then turns out they didn't stuff it <laughs> and everything's all good right and this wasn't just their plan all along just to create interest yeah maybe, maybe that's it <laughs> no so who knows so sam and chantel i'm really glad that you've come out to a point where it's uh where it's all turned out potentially okay but let's let's try this whiskey now yeah, sorry after 12 minutes of uh, initial yeah, yeah. rambling, I know, but look, it, it was it was a whole big story. That's like, yeah, wow, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Mm. Okay, let's try this whiskey. So yep. we know this is probably extra. Let's try the the peated whiskey that you promised me was not peated before we started. I'm sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. It's not hugely peaty on. Well, the... it's not Isla peated, but no, it's definitely there. It's nice though. I like the nose. Mm. It does smell quite Australian. I think it's more like a peated space side. Mm, it is a bit lighter. You, you, cro- um, you cross those two sort of extremes together. I don't know. Um, no, is it, is it like that Alta Vein that we had recently? No, it's different to the Alta Vein. You, I suppose those Maker's Mark barrels as well. I'm yeah, assuming I this is still Maker's just Mark. Just from the nose, I think they've got the casking quite well done. Mm. But there's there's a nice sweetness the there. Well, let, let's, let's try it, shall we? We shall. Yeah, Australian peated. Yeah. It's quite Napalua peated even. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's overly oily. No, a bit rubbery. Mm. Not in a bad way. Like a lot of um a lot of non Isla peated whiskies are a bit rubbery. Even Beaumont is a bit rubbery. That that peat sort of it's very subtle and it comes up as this little sort of just ashy puff at the end that Yeah. See, I think this one is not the one they thought they'd stuffed. No. So I don't think we can necessarily determine whether there was anything in this one that had something funny going on. No, it's it's interesting though. I I like it more than a few Australian Peter whiskies. Mm. It wouldn't necessarily be my go-to every day, but I think they're doing something right here. Yeah, it's an interesting first attempt. Mm. So they're looking to keep building on this bourbon flavour as well. Like they they were saying the whole thing is like, we're going to try to be repeatable with this sort I think, of flavour profile. I think that if you're going to keep doing that same mash bill with a peated malt and the chocolate malt, then I'm 
then sure, that, that really makes sense. I think that using peated malt is going to ensure that repeatability. Mm. Um, it does iron out some of the kinks. Underneath. Yeah, I, I don't think you can really sort of put all the the credit and the flavor down to the bourbon casking in this. I think the, the mash bill, diving into the faints like they say they do with their cuts, I think that makes a big influence on it. Mm. It does have a bit of that sort of funkiness to it as well. Yeah, but it's actually quite drinkable. So in terms of the, the palate, it's not spiky. It's not jaggy. It's it's actually very drinkable. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't it doesn't taste like an Australian whiskey that's been ripped out too early for the purposes of just trying to get some cash flow. What percentage done. is it? Is it magic number? Uh, forty six. The magic one. No, I think that's that's all really positive. So yeah, there you go. That is um. King Lake Distillery, a bit of a bit yeah. of a ride for them. I'm sure it's a bit of a nervous time as a first time. Can you imagine that though? Like you've made all these pre-sales and then it comes yeah. out and then it's like, uh, I don't yeah. think I can release this, guys. Yeah, you like, like, like what that, I expect um, it to. You like that um, Kickstarter person who's like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, like everyone get hyped up for my product and then months later it's like, uh, so yeah, things aren't going so well. Um, <laughs> uh, it's going to be like another five years before I release this. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's it. You've got no compulsions that you ever have to release it. And so, yeah, there must have been a few people thinking, you know, oh, gosh, is this another Nant all over again? Or, yeah. But yeah. Sam, Sam and Chantal, I'm really pleased that you've got yourselves back on track. Um, things are starting to pick up again. Um, so, yeah, this is, yeah, King Lake Distillery, one of Australia's newest distilleries. Mm. Releasing one. Well, releasing distilleries at any rate. It's very fresh. Indeed. It's a bit meaty as well. Yeah. Fresh meat. Lubricates the creative process, Ted, don't you know? Smash Session or Seema! Nicholas, are you yes. ready to be smashed, sessioned or savoured? No, but I'm... Just throw it at me. Okay, I'll throw it at you. Nicholas. Mm. Smash Session or Savour? Yeah. An Octomore point one, point one, right. An Octomore point three, Okay. Or an Octomore point four. Okay, so right, so let's let's go through a reminder of what I, they are. I see what we've done here because you've skipped point two, which is the the exciting one, yep. the 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 wine cask matured one, the one that's got the X factor. Yeah, or it, it's European oak. So point two, point yeah. two is a European oak of yeah, some, some sort of wine cask. Yeah. So point point one is, is the, American the normal, oak, normal one. Yep. Yep. Normal one, American oak. Point yep. four is. Virgin oak, and or point th- mo- mostly virgin oak. I think. Yeah, it, I don't I'm, think it spends the entire of, time. But and point three is the Isla barley. Yeah, so that that's locally grown barley. I don't. I, don't, I assume they just do a bourbon, but it's um. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming it's similar to point one, but with Isla barley. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably some tweaks in there, but yeah, very wise to leave out the point two because the point two is my favourite mm. traditionally, but you can only get it at the distillery or in duty free. Yes. So the point one is the the natural. And for me, it's striking me as the natural session whiskey. And I know that in this game, we don't normally have a... We don't normally start with a session. We normally start with either end. Yep. But I'm going to go with point one for session. Okay, so we're going, for, we're going for the point one. So that's American oak. Yeah, and I'm actually... And this might be sacrilege to a very, very, very small majority of people of the world... I'm going to smash the Isla Barley because I'm going to savour the virgin oak. 
I really want to know what that could do that was different because I really feel that the the barrel influence is greater than the than the barley influence, and that mm. would provide me with more interesting sort of retastability. But that's that's just me. Ted, I really feel has a different answer. Oh, does Ted have a really different answer? <laughs> Does he? Does he? I don't know if he does. Oh gosh! Now, 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 I'm, now I'm tying myself up in my own games. Um, I agree with you that I think the point one is the session one. I think I think that one is. Yep, it's the vanilla. Yep, it will go down well in any occasion. Yeah. Um. Oh, so we we must we must remind people that Octomore is made by Brook Lady and it is the most heaviestly peated whiskey in the world. Absolutely. According to PPM. Yes, according Parts to PPM. But in of terms peat. of... Uh, the thing that always disappoints me about Octomores is that they're just not peaty enough, mm. which may seem a stupid statement, but then the thing I always find with them is that <laughs> peat does not necessarily just translate into levels of smokiness. Peat, at a very high percentage, translates into complexity. And that and that that's always what gets me with it. That I like I drink it Oxmoor expecting it to be just like blow my brains out with smokiness, but it doesn't. It blows it out with complexity and depth <laughs> of flavour and oh, I don't know. Um right. I think I'm going to I think I am going to differ from you. I think I'm going to knock back the point four because Virgin Oak maybe doesn't interest me as much, and I'm going to try to really get down to the sort of complexities of what a locally grown Isle of Bali malt means compared to a normal sort of... And Ted, I think that is valiant. Absolutely valiant. Possibly pointless, but I think it's valiant. Yes. I, I, I will spend the evening trying to grapple with that question. But yes, yeah. anyway, there you go. Smash it's session or savor. Yeah, Octomorus. It tastes like a chain smoker's slippers. Well, it's getting late already and it feels like we've only just started. I know, it's it has been an intense session, but it has been a good session. Yeah, we started late. I was off I was off learning about coffee. You hate coffee. I, I'm not a massive coffee fan, but I've been learning about it because I need to learn how to make it. Ooh. Make it for other people. So I, I as much as I don't like the flavour of coffee, um, I was determined. I was absolutely determined because I've, you know, run whiskey tasting events where um the, the, the biggest whiskey tasting note that people can come up with is it tastes like whiskey. So I was determined to not be that guy that smelt the beans and said, that smells like coffee. Yeah, that is always a bit annoying. What What is your top takeaway tip? My top a- takeaway tip is it reminds me of um, of roasted grains for brewing. Oh, yeah. Um, so one tastes like, well, smelt like chocolate malt, one smelt like roasted barley, one smelt like black patent. Yeah, so I'm now engaging coffee on the, the roastiness level. Um, also, the Vietnamese one smelt like milk chocolate. Hmm. Interesting. Apparently, there's two types of coffee bean, um, and I've forgotten the names of both of them already. <laughs> um, one of them, it's like blended whiskey, basically. So there are single malt whiskey, which is where a lot of the flavor comes from, and then yep. there's the rest of the grains that you, you blend yep. together. So there's uh, Arabica? Yeah, yeah, that's the um, like the one that's like single malt. And Robusta? 
Buster. Yeah, I'm glad you know, Ted, because I haven't. <laughs> I was the one at the course. I didn't and that's drink like, coffee. And that's like the grain one. So basically, you blend them together. You take the sort of flavor from the the, the rabbi one, and the robust one is like the sort of sort of fleshes out, waters like just tames it down a bit. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's what a lot of blended things are. So there is a lot of similarities between coffee making and brewing, whether it be for distilling or for beer. Coolest coffee experience I've had. Mm. Was it, it iced coffee? No, no, not 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 even close. It was it was actually quite warm at the time. Um, is sitting in a locals hut in Peru. Oh, yes. Um, and watching them sort of it, it was a like the region uh, was a coffee growing region, so mm. like the, they had freshly freshly harvested coffee, and so we got to see them like co- coffee beans are actually like white whitish sort of. A creamy white color mm, before uh, they're roasted before they're roasted and caramelly sort of color so yeah we got to see them like get these fresh coffee beans and roast them in this like traditional sort of um ceramic um bowl over a fire and sort of do it in and make make coffee which everyone else appreciated really <laughs> yeah really well and i was like hmm oh well i'll try it yeah. but yeah yeah no well that's it's all about the experience it's all about the story and um, yeah, that's what we found with the whiskey journey. So, mm. you know, it, we could have easily diverged down a, a different route and, and become coffee, coffee waffle. Yeah, coffee capers. <laughs> coffee full of crappers, yeah. Yeah. Um, who knows, yeah. But mm. we didn't. We, instead, we became whiskey waffle and we said things like, follow us on social media. Or uh, taste like sour plums. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, but no, seriously, thanks everyone for listening once again. It's mm. been a lot of fun waffling tonight. Yeah, it's, it was um, yeah pretty cool being able to sort of relive our holidays recently. Mm. Also, yeah, that, that Glen Murray 18, like just, you said it, perfect summer drop. Yeah, just drinkability nice. factor through the roof. I, I, don't, I don't think it's like a during the day one. I think it's sort of late evening, really sort of nice warm evening. Sun's sort of just starting to go down. Over the horizon, sitting out on deck, a few friends, mm. um, yeah, sipping some fine Speyside whiskey and, yeah, talking shit. Well, we've still got half a bottle left, Ted, so I think we might be able to achieve that. We might be able to achieve that. And, yeah, um, send us a carrier pigeon. Yeah, keep in touch. Um, it's been too long since we had some stuff in the spirit sack. Mm, ask this us is some true. questions. Yeah, ask us questions. We've got we've got some whiskey to drink that we've been sent, which yep. will be really cool. But we do like answering questions too, at length. It makes it hard for Nick to edit. That's <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm used to it by now. Mm. Um, yeah, check us out on Insta, on Facebook. Um, jump on our Patreon. Got some really cool stuff going on there. If you jump in at uh, one of the lower levels, you can access stuff like the Faints, which is our extras bit where we. Um, you get to sort of listen to sort of secret episodes of stuff. Mm. If you become an official waffler, you get access to the full unexpedited 50-minute David Koenigke interview. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good one. And we've also got some cracking interviews coming up for future episodes. And yeah, if you become a drinking buddy, you'll get to have a sample of whatever we're reviewing this month. Whatever we're reviewing this month, which was the Yamazaki 18. Oh, no, wait, sorry, it was the Glen Murray 18. Yeah, yeah, it's almost the same thing. Almost, almost the same thing, yeah. Glen Murray's just slightly better. Mm. <laughs> we, can't, we can't tell. No. Uh, anyway, Teddy Boy, I'm going to say cheers. I'm going to say slonger. I'm going to say good to see you. 
Yeah, great to see you too. Mm, nice, yeah. nice, nice to spend an evening chatting. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, it's been good times. Cheers, Teddy Boy, and cheers, fellow wafflers. Cheers to everyone out there. Stay safe. And keep on waffling. And good night. And keep on waffling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shall we try that one again? No, that's perfect. Waffle recommends you drink whiskey responsibly and only if you're above the legal drinking age in your country. Our lawyers made us say that. Or at least, they would have if we actually had lawyers. Just put it out anyway, that's my motto. Put it out anyway.